What's up, everybody? My name is Adam, and I'm the host of the You Know Adam Same podcast, the show that is dedicated on bringing on passionate people, learning about their stories, and delivering value to entrepreneurs. So if that's what you're interested in, go ahead and follow, like, and subscribe. You know what I'm saying? How's it going, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the You Know Adam Same podcast, where you get to know a little bit more about people, passions and all things business today sitting across the way have mr Dwayne grice of grice connect Dwayne, welcome to the show well man i feel like i've really made it now when adam's saying oh, show. come on don't don't do that don't gas me <laughs> up like that that's not a gas man uh, how many how many years have we been talking about grice connect and your businesses yeah we've been doing that ever since i got back uh when uh saucy shrimp was the boiling shrimp we i think we kind of like sat down and kind of talked about everything but. we go a little farther back than that i can remember you playing on the the ground of the restaurant the op king easy there now, man easy I, now. we go I, way I, back i don't like people knowing how old i am <laughs> i didn't so. change your diapers but i was there at diaper time <laughs> well Welcome to the show. Glad Thank to you. have you here. Um, for those people in Statesboro that have been living under a rock and don't know who you are, uh, please give me a little bit intro. Well, I'm Dwayne Grice, and uh, we established a local news product here called Grice Connect. Grice Connect is a hyperlocal digital online news service. Uh, we actually started it in 2017 as a hobby while I worked for the local newspaper as their business editor. And then in 2019, when things kind of shifted the newspaper and they went to a three-day-a-week publication, I saw the opportunity to really bring more immediacy to news to the market. So we uh, made a decision, uh, my wife and I, to go full-time into this business in 19. So it's from 2019 to today. And there's a lot of ground that we covered since that period. You know, we launched with a business model in, uh, in late 20 to monetize the site and really push forward. And then COVID hit. So uh, it was a curse and a blessing, as it has been for many of us in our business model. So we kind of set on the model. We self-funded it for about 24 months. And it gave me an opportunity to really build a, a really cool organic product that uh, I think people like. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think we look to Grice Connect as a news source, right? Uh, I think I, the one that stands out to me is really when hurricane season comes and you are always just like delivering the news in the fastest way possible. And you are a trusted source because of that. It all began when Hurricane Matthew back in 2016. That's where it, where it's it interesting that you notice that. Yeah, you know, we we uh, started a Lori and I ran a humanitarian effort in 16 when Matthew hit. You were I don't know if you were here in 16. I was or not. here for that. Uh, as you know, one of the power companies had a, a significant portion of their plant destroyed, and we had a significant part of our community without power for up to two weeks. Mm-hmm. And that uh, you know, when your power's out and your refrigerator doesn't work, it creates a humanitarian issue. Uh, so Lori and I kind of run that from my personal Facebook page because there was no local media immediate uh, media to get information out. So that's when we put uh, Bullet County VOAD together, a nonprofit, uh, which uh, has memorandums of understanding with other nonprofits. And the, the goal and the mission of that is to prop a community up for three to five days until the FEMAs and the GEMAs and the Red Cross and all the Good Samaritan organizations can get on the ground to help us, right? So in doing that, we named it Bullet County VOAD. And in 2017, um, we had overprepared for the Hurricane Irma. Matthew was first, 17 was Irma. Uh, and uh, Brunswick was hit pretty hard, if you recall. So mm-hmm. we took a lot of resources. Ted Wynn, our public safety director, uh, authorized us to release the resources. We didn't need them here to that community that needed them. So we took a tremendous amount of resources to that community. And really, this was a phenomenal story, right? For, the, for three days, we spent down there doing incredible things. 
But the community saw Bullock County Voet, mm. and they thought I was a county employee using county taxpayer dollars to do so. To do so. Uh-huh. So on the ground down there, why I'm being literally a people in line for almost a mile to get a hot meal. Wow. Uh, I'm being mutilated on social media. Uh-huh. You know, why are you spending my tax dollars? Which oh, I mean, which is really a little weird because wow. we're helping folks right sure. if your tax dollars. So I made a decision right then. I called Mandy Edwards, uh, who handled my um, handles my wife's and handled my uh, website and, and, and social media platforms for me. I called Mandy and I says, "Mandy, I want to create a site with my name on it so yeah. people know it's me." So that's how Grass Connect became. It really came out of a disaster. Got yeah. you. Because the idea with Grass Connect, what we do with VOAD in a time of need is we connect resources with opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why I didn't call it Grice News because I never intended it to become the news channel that it's become now. It was really all about just an organic movement to connect people, but people to know it was me. It was nonprofits. I wasn't stealing tax dollars yeah. and uh, abusing my salary, which is ironic. I've never been paid one penny for any of that. <laughs> don't get paid much for Grass Connect, right? Yeah, in building a new business, you know what that's like as an entrepreneur. But yeah, so it's interesting that you see that because mm-hmm. that's that's uh, we're disaster first. We're we we thrive when a community is on its knees, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of great examples of that. Hurricane Dorian with his college students that uh, we helped come in mm-hmm. and put a group together to adopt those kids and get them through the Little Lots Creek fire. We had the 63 people that were burned out in those 12 units. I could go on and on the stories, but that's kind of our model, and maybe we'll get into that, is a solutions-based journalism model. Absolutely. So we're, we're, really, we're really reinventing the way local news is delivered, but really the whole thought process of local news. So you've been in news for quite some time now. Yeah, now so you're t- telling my age, right? T- t- so you're t- playing t- me back. <laughs> <laughs> t- t- take me through that. Um, I started really my very first job in the media was in high school at a local radio station in my hometown of Claxton, Georgia, 20 minutes so you're from, from here. From, from, from Claxton? From, yep. My, I grew up in a town known for two things, uh, fruitcake and rattlesnakes. Okay. And, and I survived and escaped both. Okay. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That's <laughs> uh, a lovely town. What, tell, talk to me about the fruitcake. Well, what's the deal with the fruitcake? Well, let me tell you, that's, that is a, an entire story. Uh-huh. You know, I'll, I'll connect you with the Parkers, and you need to have them on and hear the story. Okay. It is a phenomenal success story. Uh-huh. It is probably the most powerful first entrepreneurial story that I knew about as a child. Mm-hmm. It is a remarkable story. I can't tell you in a few minutes, but it is a it's a great product, but it's a great philanthropic story. Mm. So I'll tease your viewers and maybe we'll allow Love that. we'll connect you to the Parker's please, room, come please, on and please. Uh, tell their story because it's a fascinating story. And as is the Rattlesnake Roundup, yeah. which is now called the Wildlife Festival. Yeah. But that's tr- another true small town humanitarian story. The snippet of that was a young guy uh, was uh, playing in a field, was bitten by a rattlesnake, almost died. Mm. So the community came together and says, we want to do something about this. We want to eradicate rattlesnakes. Uh-huh. So they created this event. They paid by the inch or the pound of the rattlesnake snakes to harvest rattlesnakes mm-hmm. so, so to eradicate them that was the whole goal of that festival uh-huh. and that young guy's become a, a great entrepreneur and mm-hmm. was actually mayor of that community I think Hag- the Hagen community for a period of time mm-hmm. over there David Wiggins was his name great success story Albert Parker though in the fruitcake story the Claxton fruitcake is just a phenomenal phenomenal success story Most I love I love that what, what was it like growing up in in Claxton you know it was it was Mayberry 
Literally, uh-huh. if you've watched Andy Griffith, I, I was in a meeting the other day, and I said, I feel like Mr. Haney on Green Acres, and I had three guys out of 20 laugh. Uh-huh. So I knew everybody in that room over 50 that had watched Green Acres. But, you know, it really, it really was a different time. I, you know, I was just, t- the sheriff and I were talking about some things growing up, you know, and he grew up in Portal area in rural towns. And, you know, I, I started driving when I was 11 or 12. I can't even really remember because we were an agricultural community. Mm-hmm. So we tractors and lawnmowers and go-karts and motorcycles. I mean, we just drove. Very, very early age. Very early age. I, I was got my first ticket at 14 for driving without a license. Okay. At 14, <laughs> seriously. But, you know, the guy, the, the, the officer that stopped me knew my dad, called my dad. He knew we were farmers, said, look, you know, he can drive on a farm, can't drive on the streets. Uh-huh. And it, there was never anything official on my record. The only other time that I got in trouble, I guess you could say, and this is, just speaks to the power of a small town. I, my best friend at the time, a guy named Timmy Janess, dad was the coroner in town. And the coroner has blue, a blue light, and that was an old teardrop. You plugged in your cigarette lighter, and it was kind of turned around, you know, those uh-huh. blue lights. So our parents were out of town one Friday night. We were bored teenagers. We were both 16 and decided we'd take his car and his dad's blue light and go out and play cops and robbers on the edge of town. Okay. Right? So we backed the car up, right? We saw this station wagon coming down the road. We turned on the blue light and pulled it over. Guess who it was? Who was it? The sheriff. (laughs) He was coming home from dinner with his family in his private vehicle. So so he handcuffed us, took us to jail, (laughs) right? Treated us like hardened criminals. And I will never forget, he walked in and he says, boys, the judge and the jury, I woke them up, they're coming in, they're going to uh, deal with this case tonight. You know who that was, yeah. right? Our parents. Oh, really? Yeah, our parents were the judge and the jury. <laughs> Let me tell you, I'd have much rather seen a judge and jury than them. But I don't think I've uh, I've ever broken a law since then. Yeah. You know? but, but, but none of that was on my record. Sure. Right? And so I'd be in juvie today. Yeah. So that's what growing up in a small town is all like. Everybody knows everybody. That's right. I, when I did the presentation to Village Media and our investment group for Grice Connect, I tell a story that I tell a lot when I'm speaking about this is what growing up in a small town is like in, in information in that period of time. So we had three sources of information, newspaper, television, and radio, right? TV yep. stations was the Savannah stations. The only time we saw the Savannah stations was something bad, right? Jim Hildebrandt was great. He'd come up and do He was the predecessor of Dow Canning, but he was okay. just in the same mold, just like Dow, does a great job telling the human interest stories. But other than the Dow's or the Jim, Jim uh, Hildebrandt stories, the only time the big stations come to town was something bad, right? Yeah. So you got your local news from the weekly newspaper or the radio station. The radio station was very strong at that point. So 11 o'clock, the whole town come to a stop, Monday through Friday. The farmers stopped farming. The plants shut down. Everybody paused at 11 o'clock. You know what they did at 11 o'clock? Mm. Turned on the radio? We turned on the radio, and the local Don Sports, the local radio announcer, would come on. and He'd call down to the administrator of the local hospital. Mm-hmm. And they would read at 11 o'clock every morning the admissions and discharges of the local hospital. Interesting. Then he would call over to the funeral home. It was an African-American funeral home, and there was a white funeral home. He'd mm-hmm. call the two funeral homes, and he'd ask who's deceased. And then he would have some little snippets of information using gossip, I guess. But that, people say, well, wow, you know, imagine what HIPAA trying to do that now. But why that was important was we were a very rural, agricultural-based community. If a farmer's in the hospital, his crops are in the field, somebody's got to help him get the crops out of the field, Understood. right? If the mother's in the hospital, somebody's got to take care of those kids. And you're a family. Everybody knew everybody. So, and the same with the hospital, in the, in the, in the funeral home. If somebody had deceased, the obituaries were very important. The other thing we had on the water tower was a siren. That was before two-way communication and cell phones and all this technology. And so if there was an emergency event, the siren would blow. And it would the number of times it blew, uh, circled, 
would tell you where, what quadrant of the county the fire was in, right? Interesting. Yeah. So everybody would knew one time it's in the city, two times it was in the southwest corner or whatever. So we all knew somebody who lived in that area of the town, right? Uh-huh. So instead of getting in our cars and going out there, what do we do? Turn on the radio. Because uh-huh. we knew Don Sports would be on the scene in just a few minutes reporting live from the accident or live from the fire. Mm. And so he would let us know whose home it was or whose barn it was or if the fire department needed more help, come come help or, you know, whatever the resources were. But that was a connectivity. That was yeah. a that was a, a, a there was a social capital. There yeah. was a solutions based magic to that that I'm trying to recreate now. Uh-huh. You know, we all have I've laid my phone down, we all towed a pocket computer now that has more computing technology than what the Apollo did to put the first man on the moon, right? right? In our hand. We're the most connected we've ever been as a, as a society, but we're the least informed. Mm-hmm. And algorithms, analytics, all the magic that you understand I knew nothing about, uh, it's the reason for that. You know, on Grice Connect, my wife, who's much younger than I, she will tell you, and I, and I completely agree with that, and my daughter, who is 21, a senior at Georgia Southern, Grice Connect, we're all three administrators of Grice Connect, mm-hmm. but we all three see different stories on the algorithms of our news feeds with Facebook. Facebook yeah. decides, based upon our algorithm, my personal algorithm, what news stories I see. Yeah. So the only way someone can actually see everything we're reporting on without being filtered by Facebook is to go to our website or, or subscribe to our daily email. That's amazing. It really is. So your first job... What I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. I, I, I got you, slipped away from that. Yeah. I loved it. But local radio yeah, station. local radio station. In high school. My best friend, Darren McCoy, who's the probate judge, best man of my wedding. We've been friends since grade school. He's the judge of probate court over in Evans County. Got me the job at the local radio station. And what did you do there? I was an announcer. Back yeah. then, you had records, LPs, 33s, and the 45s. And well, What was the music actually, that they were playing back then? It was country, a yeah. country format. I remember the big hit... Uh, this was in the 80s, and the big hit, uh, the, peop- the, the first country music uh, band that I remember that hit it big was Alabama mm. during that period. And they had this song called Roll On. I can hear it in my, in uh-huh. my, in my head now. And I just say where one of the guys actually just passed away in that band last week. It was mm. kind of funny that you asked that. But that was my first. And then my second job was uh, here at Statesboro Cable TV. My godfather, who actually lived, uh, we were backyard neighbors in Claxton, a guy named Lee Johnson, was the general manager and part owner of the local cable company. And he uh, got a summer job here working with him. And then I did a co-op program. I would work a semester and go to school a semester. It's the way it was supposed to work. It didn't really work that way. I pretty much worked straight through. And he helped uh, pay for my college education. That and working as a paramedic firefighter. And did you go to school to learn kind of broadcasting? I was a comm arts major initially. I graduated later as mm-hmm. a non-traditional student after my child was born actually after education was born i went back and finished my degree in entrepreneurship and business small business yeah close to six hours away from my master's that i never finished but yeah so that's was uh, i was a com arts first time around so then we established while i was at northland we were pioneers in the local um cable television insertion uh product so that's when we were able to put that, – that was when CNN and ESPN and all these channels were in their infancy stages, and they brokered this deal to allow local cable companies to insert 30-second commercials mm-hmm. to our local audience. So uh, we were pioneers <clears throat> in that here in Statesboro, and I, I just got in on the, lucky enough to have the right connections and the right relationships to get into that with him. He opened that door for me. And then we uh, saw the opportunity to create a local news product. And, you know, fascinatingly enough, 
there was a lot of things uh, in the environment that was very similar when we created that local news product. And this was in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, when I created Northland Cable News. We Stagebrook Cable was sold to a company called Northland, um, and then we created an NCN product. And then we created a Cable Ad Concepts, which was, was a management uh, company to run the marketing news and advertising divisions for Northland Communications. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of my lineage. And then in the late uh, 90s, after the Olympics, um, I, I developed a really good relationship with a guy named Lewis Massey who became Secretary of State of Georgia and ran for governor. I subsequently took a leave of absence from my job at the cable company to run his campaign for governor and wow. created – well, I was well, part of the team. It was sure. uh, wholly me, but to help uh, do that, it was a wonderful experience. I created a company there, a political nonprofit consultancy, and uh, operated that for about three years, and I sold that. Came back uh, to Statesboro, really trying to figure out what to do. And uh, my wife and I, we'd been married 12 years at the time, decided we want to have a child. We had a child. And then 18 months after my child was, after Edie Grace was born, my wife developed cervical cancer. Mm. And uh, we did not think she was going to make it there for a while. It was pretty serious. Wow. And uh, so I've become focused on being a dad and uh, just really kind of did that until my daughter didn't want to see me at school, dropping her off or picking her up. Mm. <clears throat> and then at that point, I'd, I'd worked in my wife's photography business, and we'd built that up to be very successful. My wife's, as you know, Lori Grice, very acclaimed photographer. And um, uh, I started working as the business editor of the local newspaper. And I did that, and, as I said, until I started Grice Connect. So that was kind of a long history of what got me here. Um, in here, you know, was there ever... I hear the nonprofits, but, you know, was there always kind of like this entrepreneurial thing that you were chasing or did it was it more of a something that came to you? Oh, no. I mean, I think, you know, like all young entrepreneurs, I was very focused on power and wealth. That's mm-hmm. why I got involved in politics. That's why I got involved in business at the highest level. Mm-hmm. And uh, but cancer is a great equalizer, mm-hmm. a great leveler. When you had a, I was in my 30s. You know, didn't think I could have a child. I had a miracle child and not sure whether my wife was going to live or not. And I'll be honest with you, that reset our lives. Yeah. <clears throat> we decided that it didn't matter how much fame or wealth or power I had. Uh, it all come down to the, the number one thing in life, and hopefully you'll have an opportunity to experience this, is being a dad. Mm-hmm. You know, the success in life is you. Your parents would say that every day. You are our success. Our tra- our children are our success. And so <clears throat> so that's what I did. I just kind of poured myself into her and reset myself. You know, you're, when you have an entrepreneurial spirit, you're always an entrepreneurial spirit. And we've been small business owners. We've been able to make a living as small business owners through the photography business and our other businesses. Um, so you always have that. But I think it, you just uh, – John Maxwell, uh, a, a, a friend and – someone I admire a lot and read a lot of his work. One of his greatest books, he talks about the secret to success is not the destination, but the journey in itself. And most people who really focus on that destination, as I did when I was younger, I wanted to be governor or U.S. senator or whatever. I had my sights set very high, and I was on a path to get there, right? But through that process, I got to, to get to know some very powerful, very wealthy people. And I'll be honest with you, they were some of the loneliest, most miserable people Mm -hmm. I'd ever met in my life. But it was people that, as John says in his books, um, they were focused on the destination, not the journey. And so they become so focused on that destination that they left a lot of people in the tracks, including their family, their friends, you know, wives, kids. You know, they're all gone, mm-hmm. right? They didn't have anything to do with them. So you, you got this position that you've strove, you, you fought for, 
but you're there with no one to enjoy it. I think you bring up an extremely valid point here. You know, oftentimes this actually doesn't get discussed much on, on this show, and I'm glad that you brought it up. And it's, you know, that that journey is, is what, what brings that satisfaction. Um, oftentimes people see, like, the, the, the fame, the wealth, and that's what really kind of, like, moves them. But if that's what you're chasing, no, it, nothing is ever going to be enough. No. Nothing at all. I'm trying to remember the author, The Psychology of Money. You probably have read that book. Mm. That's another great book that really, you know, how much is enough? And that's mm-hmm. another great driver. You see these people that have created tremendous wealth, but they end up just destroying themselves because there's never enough, right? Yeah. You know, where is enough? And, wh- and what are your goals and where you want to be? You know, we've been blessed to live very comfortably in that. I've never missed a meal. Mm-hmm. I've always had shelter over my head. Now, we've had some tough times. You know, we, anybody in small business has had tough times. And when you step into an arena like I've stepped into, you know, it's $783 a day to run Grice Connect every mm-hmm. day. Um you know, so every time I add an employee, it's $138 more per day. Yeah. You know, the economics of that, people are amazing. They see it's a website, and they have Facebook, and it's free for them to post something on Facebook, right? Yeah. But even if you send me a press release, it's still got to make it to my site. Yeah. So I've got to pay an employee to put it on my site, and then i got to pay to run the site to put it on. That's right? right. So people don't see that. So we run eight to ten stories a day at a cost to me of, you know, 25 to $100 per story mm-hmm. based upon how that story came through to us if we wrote it if we strung it you know so it's a uh, it is an entrepreneurial journey yeah take me take me back to kind of like this reset uh do you remember kind of like feeling the emotions during that period of time uh finding out that you know that there was cancer i mean was it easy for you to kind of like okay reset this is the next path or did, did you just spend some time understanding kind kind of where you guys were out. Do you remember that at all? Oh, very vividly. How would you ever forget that? I mean, you know, we had a second opportunity in life, and uh, we made a pact with God that we'd, we'd do the work of four people if he'd spare us, and mm-hmm. we would make a difference. We'd work every day of our life. God, if you spare us, we're going to work every day of our life to make a difference for the people who it means the most to, our friends, our family, our community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people wonder what my motivation is sometimes because they see it's not financial. You know, I, I drive a five-year-old car. I live in a loft apartment above my store. You know, we, we, don't, uh, we don't have a lot of material wealth, right? We're comfortable, but we don't have that, and people are perplexed by that. Mm-hmm. I'll be, we're in a society where they are. But the older we get, my friends tell me how smart I am and yeah. how they wish they would have taken the journey that I took. And, uh, and I just, you know, you always hear that it's when you're in the valley, mm-hmm. when you're in the, on your knees, when you're at the darkest point in your life, that's sometimes the brightest point in your life. Mm-hmm. If you just will, will walk through that valley, that fire, that depth. And that's what happened for Lori and I. You know, we, uh, we really felt like uh, her life was spared and it was spared for a reason. And when I say spared, there were seven women who went through the treatment at the same time we did. Six are dead. Went to wow. six funerals. So when I say it was dramatic and, and lucky, and there was a lot of magic, that a lot of prayer. My, we had a great relationship with Michael Guido at the time, who was the sore, mm-hmm. uh, and we felt like we had a direct hotline to God through him. And, you know, there, there's no reason. I'm not, we were not supposed to have a child. That was a miracle. And Lori, to survive that was a miracle. Mm. So when you've gotten two wonderful miracles, you feel like you owe a little bit, right? That's right. There's a little debt there. So that's that's why we work so hard to do the things that we do. Mm-hmm. So a- after you kind of uh, moved out at that time period, you said that you went to another publication to start doing business. Or did you go to school after after this point in time back to get your degree? Yeah. So when we found out we were having a 
child and I felt like Lori was going to live. You know, she was through the, still traveling that journey. You know, I th- if I'm going to be a dad, I'm going to want my daughter to have a college education. So how can I not be a hypocrite and finish that? Mm. So I did. I went back to school. And, I, and at that point, I had done the communication thing. I felt, felt like I had climbed the ladder pretty high and that. I'd had a good bit of success in that arena. Uh, not that you never know everything, right? Sure. So not that I knew everything. <clears throat> But there was, a, there was an area of weakness that I felt like I needed to be a little stronger. It was the business, right? Mm. The financial side, the entrepreneurial side, and all that. So that's when I met Dr. Richard Stapleton, who became a mentor of mine, still is today. And he was the uh, director of the entrepreneurship program at Georgia Southern and ran the Small Business Institute for Georgia Southern. And he befriended me and kind of became a mentor to me and led me through that journey of uh, getting a, an entrepreneurship business degree. And it was probably one of the best things that I, that I ever did. And what'd you do with that after that? So you got your degree, and then what was next? Well, you know, still the entrepreneurial spirit. You know, we still, uh, you know, we created different companies, and uh, really probably the most success was the uh, photography industry. I mean, Lori Mm -hmm. become a world-renowned photographer. You know, her client lists are some of the most uh, incredible families throughout the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to have the ability... I mean, but I think everything in life prepares you. That goes back to that journey, right? Everything's prepared me to be at the point that I am today with Grice Connect. Love that. And um, and I think that was just one more step of that journey, mm-hmm. right? I, you know, I can't say that I did something dramatic. I didn't find a Fortune 50 company or do anything like that. But that, that wasn't really my goal at that point. Sure. My goal was to get a good education, uh, to have something that, you know, that I wanted my child to have. Uh, and uh, and and gain some knowledge and 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 develop relationships, right? Because that's what it's all about with mm-hmm. the relationships. And it was pretty pretty fascinating. Um, you you mm-hmm. kind of started working a lot in the business. Uh, when did you go over to um, the Statesboro Herald and do the column with like the small business? Because that's actually. Uh, like from what I remember, right. that's kind of like where I start seeing your your name pop up time and time again. Yeah, you know, I, it's kind of interesting because a lot of people. Um, it's funny. I, I'm trying to remember the person who said I've uh, I spent 40 years to become an overnight success, right? Mm. So a lot of people, when I started Grass Connect, started doing this, and it's funny. I had a, a lady today. Uh, say, I really love your blog. You know, enjoy <laughs> okay. your blog. Or I, I, I read some of your Facebook posts. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but, you know, who are, who are you uh, to be the media guy that you are in our community? Who are sure. you f- to be that gatekeeper? Who are you to be this person? And they have no idea of the path. But a large part of that is because I haven't spent a lot of time sharing that journey and that path because that's not really important to me. Mm-hmm. What's important is how do I use that to continue to improve the community mm-hmm. and the quality of life for people in our community, so um, so the Herald was uh, Herald was a great opportunity for me. I I did that for seven years, seven eight years, uh, and I followed Jan Moore, who mm-hmm. when she was elected mayor of St- city of Statesboro, they reached out to me and asked me if I would take over that uh, column, and I did, and I loved it. It really gave me an opportunity to step back into the media arena, which mm-hmm. I had been out of for several years at that point. And then you were doing photography during that period of time. Yeah, my wife's the photographer. I yes. run I run. Well, you were business. doing the business, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, I had the business side of it. But we were a pretty good team in that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, but that was a, the, it was not a full-time job. It was, a, I worked multiple full-time jobs. And uh, so that's kind of the way that worked for me. But it gave me an opportunity to, to get my name out and, and really an opportunity to get back into that media arena. But what it also did was it gave me an opportunity to 
to look behind the curtain at the Statesboro Herald mm-hmm. and see what was happening to not only to the local newspaper, but to newspapers all over the country. Um, and I think it's shifted, right? Like, you know, the, the newspaper or news publication business has changed drastically. Well, I'll give you an example. I'll, I'll give you the facts. Uh, in 2006, when the iPhone was launched, the newspaper industry in the United States was a $49 billion industry. Mm-hmm. I just saw some numbers. They're in a $4.5 billion industry mm-hmm. today. Yeah. So th- that uh, in, in the in the last seven years, Facebook alone is a hundred and ten billion dollar industry, right? So they've taken it and some, right? Yes. The Facebook, the digital media. So so you just look at those numbers and see what's happened, right? Follow, That's right. My dad always says, "Follow the money or follow the sex, and you can figure it out." Right? So <laughs> okay. It's a little bit of both, right? <laughs> um, but yeah. So if you follow that path and that money, you realize what's happening, and you know the. There's a lot to be said about the newspaper industry, and uh, and people say to me all the time, "Oh, you're you're going to put the Statesboro Herald out of business." That is not my business plan. That's not my goal. I believe a strong <clears throat> local media, all right, uh, a strong local media is very vital to the success of a community. I agree. And there are things a newspaper platform can do. They can write more in depth, more research, more investigative type stuff than I have the resources to do. You mm-hmm. know, because they're printing paper to do that. Um, I, I think there's uh, a need for local radio, and I think there's a, lead, a need for uh, the, the Savannah stations, too. I think it's, it's, you know, I've never in, I've never ever in any business I've ever been in been very focused on putting my competitor out of business. Sure. I want to help my competitors mm-hmm. because I think we all become stronger, right? Competition is good for all of us. So, but but I do see that that model has changed dramatically, and it was leaving some tremendous gaps. So, when you have those gaps, then you lose connectivity in a community, and when you lose connectivity of community, you lose the social capital of a community. And something as simple as an obituary. I mean, think about that. And you're at an age where that's not important to you, but I guarantee you, to your parents, that's important. Mm-hmm. Knowing who's passed away, and so we went from getting those every day delivered to our door to now three days a week, mm-hmm. right? I talked to some of the local funeral homes, and they were getting killed on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays, where mm-hmm. everybody wanted to have the day after the obituaries ran in the newspapers. So it was creating a lot of problems. So sure. that was one thing we decided to step into for free is to give these uh, obituaries. And we do all five funeral homes for free. Sure. Um, but that is one of the highest viewed things on my website. Yeah. It's the daily. It's one of the second highest viewed things is the daily events calendar. Mm-hmm. People want to know what's going on in our community. You know, uh, Dr. Marrero and the chamber and some of the leadership, we sat down and, and uh, had some conversations about a year ago to kind of talk about where are the issues of our community. And, you know, when I came to school here in the 80s, Till today, the, one of the biggest challenges of our community is the town-gown relationship, right? Mm-hmm. You've got a whole city, a whole community over there at Georgia Southern and that campus, and a whole city and community here. How do you bring those two worlds together? And the mm-hmm. best way you do that is communication. Yeah. It's to tell folks, okay, you've got these things going on. Just look at the Gretsch School of Music recitals mm. over the next three weeks, four weeks for these final recitals. Yeah. I mean, there are a world, these tickets would cost you $100, $150, if you went to the to Fox or you yep. went to the Mark Arena to see this level of talent that you can go watch for free. Yeah. Right there. Uh, and, you know, the PAC performance, the Averitt. I mean, there's just so much that we can do. And people will think, you know, they think about the students. In a perspective, and I was a student at one point, you know, um, and, and there are a lot of people in the community that just want, seem like they just want the money from the students, but they don't want the students ingrained in the community. 
Uh, but you've got to create, and that's why the Blue Mile Project is so important, the Creek on the Blue Mile is also important. You've got to create an environment where students can be students, but mm-hmm. you've also got to have an environment where adults can be adults, mm-hmm. right? And you've got to figure a way to, to, to bring those together. I don't know if you've had Al Chapman on this show. I haven't yet. You need to bring him on. Yeah. Because Al is a, you talk about an entrepreneur who's figured it out. Yeah. Al's one has figured it out. Absolutely. And, he, and he's done something that, that, that I haven't been able to do in 30, in 30 years, in three mm-hmm. decades, since I was a student at Georgia Southern. And he's figured out a way. I don't go to Nats Landing after five o'clock, mm-hmm. right? But I ate lunch there a lot. Mm-hmm. At Del Sur, I ate lunch there a lot, right? So he's created a coexisting scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's pretty magical what he's done there. And so we as a community need to have Al in the room. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And those type of people doing what you're doing right now, that's telling right. these stories. That's right. What What is on the horizon for you? What's well, next? So the whole goal with Grice Connect is rescuing local news. And, we're, and when I say rescue and local news, we want to do local news differently. I want to go back to that siren moment. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to that 11 o'clock moment, right? Dale Carnegie says the most magical two words any human being will ever hear is your first and last name, mm-hmm. right? So we as journalists, and I count myself as one because I was a journalist, I guess, there was an air of arrogance of egotisticalness, of, uh, of uh, we were the gatekeepers. We mm-hmm. decided what was news and what was wrong. Well, now the gate's been kicked open, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody's got a social media account now is the gatekeeper. You can put whatever you want on whenever you want. So, but there's still that air of journalism, uh, professionalism, and there's that balance, right? So we got to figure out a way in local media to allow the citizen reporters, the citizen journalists, right? to come in and have a platform where we can tell their stories in a throttled way that where we validate the stories are real, right? Mm-hmm. So you're not having this fake news scenarios or you're not having these uh, partisan websites or, we- or agenda-driven Facebook pages because you've got this blend of generations. You've got people my age and older that with, with Walter Cronkite told them something or Dan Rather told them something. It was the gospel, right? Mm. So they, they have that trust of local news. So if they see a Facebook posts, right, that you and I know is fake, but they see it in an official-looking format, all of a sudden they believe that's Mm -hmm. real, right? So then you get this... you get this dichotomy of, uh, of confusion, I guess, if you will, of what's real and what's not. So you've got to have a little bit of a gatekeeper. You've mm-hmm. got to have somebody with some credibility and some resources to do that. So what we want to do is create a model that we can replicate in every community in America, mm-hmm. our size. Because look at the newspaper industry. You've got a lot of newspapers, weekly newspapers specifically, that are owned by people that are retirement age or older, mm-hmm. right, with no succession plans. Sure. So what happens when those little small – you take the weekly – the Claxton Enterprise or the uh, the Metter uh, Advertiser or, or the Tattnall Journal, you, you, you dis- make those papers disappear, then you've lost the only source of connectivity to that community mm. that is a vetted, credible source of connectivity, right? Now, on the flip side is, as I tell people all the time, if you can watch Grice Connect and tell how I vote, you call me. Mm-hmm. Right, because I'm doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, you'll never see an editorial or an opinion on Grice Connect. Mm-hmm. People don't want my opinion. Mm. I've been married almost 35 years. I can tell you, people do not want my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> my advice or my opinion. But you know, there's a lot of truth to that. You know, we don't. We want the. We want facts. We sure. don't want to know 
we don't want you telling me. And I think there's a little bit of that arrogance in media alone, especially electronic and uh, television media. There's an arrogance of, uh, of the media telling you what they think you need to know. Sure. I don't want to do that. I want to give you the information and let you make that decision because I, I believe anybody intelligent enough to read my columns or go onto my website is intelligent enough to make a decision for themselves. So we're not looking to do that. But I, I'm, I'm wanting to create a sustainable local news model, mm-hmm. doing it differently. You know, we're not doing the, the, the traditional model, as you know, is a click-based impression model. So we do not sell ads on Grass Connect. We sell sponsorships. Mm. And we, we, we um, as our share of audience, we do a share of voice model. So as our share of voice increases, as our audience increases, we allow more people in. Mm-hmm. So we throttle the number of sponsors on our site because we want it to be successful for them, and we don't want to overburden our readers, right? So as that grows, we'll bring more people into the arena. And it's this double-edged sword. I have to have the revenue to hire the staff to increase the content. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the sponsor model uh, that we use, and we, we've launched this thing called a Community Leaders Program, and it's uh, our partner I've referred to in Village Media out of Canada. We partnered with them in April. Village runs 90 of these sites, digital first uh, news operations in Canada. Can- the newspaper collapse was a little faster in Canada than it was in the U.S. So now they're trying, they've got an investor that's helped them match 14. It's a competitive process. We applied to be a member of this organization. So it's a, a competitive process. So we're the third of 14, and we're the rule test model. Mm-hmm. So they want to see if they can take this model and make it work. So one of the things that they're successful with is the Community Leaders Program. And the Community Leaders Program is we want to identify with people in our community that want to be known for their ph- philanthropy. They want to be known for what they do for the community, not what their business is, mm. but the difference they're making in our community, right? Mm-hmm. To me, that's what a true leader in a community is. You know, success with your product, I'm not saying that's easy, but anybody can do that. But take that success and be good to your employees, be good to your community. Mm-hmm. That That's the people we want to, because we think that's the social capital. That's where we want to build. So by identifying people in our community that we consider meet that mold and partner with them as a community leader. So instead of, they do get some advertising, some, some, some spots, you know, some uh, display ads on my site. But more importantly, they're sponsoring a specific category of underserved needs in our community, from helpers to uh, jobs of the future to uh, journeys. To, I can go on. So, so we have these insights. We have these special categories that we feel are people in our community whose story are not being told. Mm-hmm. So they sponsor that category. Core Bank, uh, Core Credit Union, they sponsor success. Mm-hmm. You were our first column in that Thank category, you. right? Appreciate that. Yeah. And you got a lot of play on that, Absolutely. right? Yeah. Absolutely. So so people want to hear great stories, right? Just what you're trying to do here. Um, so we have uh, 10 or 11 of those categories that our sponsor sponsors. Mm-hmm. And now we're launching something called a Spotlight Program. Well, the Spotlight Program is basically a uh, branding you as the expert of a topic in a market, right? So, but instead of display ads, it's a well-written story with the pain point, you know, are you having this issue? If this is the issue, this is the answer, and this is the person that can provide you the answer. Mm -hmm. So the idea is, is when you Google, uh, my car won't crank, you know, Bob's car and repair shops pops up this story about how to make your car crank or sure. five things you need to test to see why your car is. makes sense valuable valuable but it's content mm-hmm. really strong content that's evergreen on our site forever so you buy instead of spending several hundred dollars for a display ad or a paid ad you're doing sponsored content 
that you can source to it. So it's just a different way of thinking. I love that. But it's it's a process. It's not only a different way of thinking, but it's a way of navigating people into an arena very differently. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Grace, uh, I want to thank you so much for coming to the show. Uh, Thank you for sharing your story. I think, you know, having the challenges that you've had in your life and being not only being able to overcome them, but also push through and then develop Grace Connect to what it is today and also having visions of what the future is going to be like. I know that that's not something that's easy to do. Uh, Very inspired by that. Well, you inspire me and what you do and where you've come as a company and your family, your father, your parents. Thank you. Are tremendously inspirational to our community. And what I like about them is they're quite inspirational people, right? That's right. A lot of people do not know their success, and that's a key key thing in the journey of life. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it. Thank Thank you. you.